0: Let's begin. Today, we are heading to Gallusburg, Illinois, to chat with Joe McQueen. Joe is a director of alternative education, speaker, and author. With over 20 years of experience in the field of mental health, Joe has recently released his latest book, Calming Young Minds. It is available now. So, Joe, welcome to the RV.
1: Thank you. Happy to be here.
0: Me too. It was a long drive from here to Illinois, but I'm sure it is worth.
1: Yeah, it was.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So, Joe, you are originally from Nevada and are currently living in Illinois. So, what do you like the most about living there?
1: Uh, The Midwest has, uh, the people are all pretty nice. Um, Everybody's kind of wholesome and polite here. And um, uh, I like having all the seasons, you know, Um, living in Nevada and I lived in Arizona for a while as well. And, you know, you don't really get, although winter gets old after a while, but you don't really get all the seasons. And and I think in Illinois, you got really good people and uh, you get a variety of weather. You get, you know, kind of beat up a little bit in the winter and and the summers are nice and warm. It's just it's just a nice place. I like trees and greenery and things like that. It's just a a nice environment.
0: I was uh looking at Gallersburg and I saw that the city has some awesome parks and recreational areas like Lake Story Park and Lincoln Park.
1: Yeah, it's got some great areas to hike and um to visit and and some great parks for kids and Things like that. It's it's a it's a nice community. It's not too big, not too small, um, and it's good. It's in good vicinity. You know, we're not too far from Peoria, Illinois, which is a little bit bigger, and there's also the Quad Cities, which are Iowa and Illinois. And so, you know, you're just forty five minutes. You can jump over there to the you know city and get right back down here to your kind of smaller town in the evening. So it's it's a it's a great location.
0: And so your work with children and teenagers throughout your career has been truly inspiring. You have worked in a variety of settings, including residential treatment centers, alternative education programs, and even with at-risk youth. So could you share with us more about your journey including some of the challenges and rewards you have experienced along the way?
1: Sure. Um, as a kid, I was kind of in what, what they would call an alternative kid or or maybe a, an at-risk youth for sure. And uh, I got in a lot of trouble and uh, was really given a choice to go into the military or go to jail for quite a long time. And so I chose the military and then I got out and when I went to college, I, I definitely wanted to work with kids that were kind of like me, and those were more of the behavioral kids, the kids that had a lot of uh, social emotional issues and trauma. And so I went into special education, and I started working with uh, those kids in that area. And then eventually, I started, you know, I worked uh, residential with a lot of at-risk youth who had kids had a ton of trauma, a lot of um, a lot of major things going on in their lives, and then I worked in detention centers and I did some drug and alcohol counseling for a little while as a, as like a night job. Um, and so I've worked with gang kids and, um, uh, just sort of across the board, pretty much all the kids you could think of from, um, kindergarten to 12th grade and even some adults. And it's, it's my passion. And, and I think the struggle is, is seeing the The view of the world through the lens of the kid's eyes. You know, they see the world differently than we do as adults and they process things differently. And so being patient and taking the time to understand that, you know, there's a lot going on with this young person and they don't process the world the same way I do. So my job is to be patient and be a good listening ear and, and just be there for them and guide them along the way. And you know, working in education, people, you know, focus a lot on academics, which is good. We need the, you know, the kids need the academics. But I discovered early on that, you know, if if you don't make the kid feel safe and give them an opportunity to be themselves and open up and do some healing, you're never gonna get to that academic part. Um, the academic part will come. You just you have to get through that that emotional part first and give them a place where they can be themselves and have a voice and and feel heard and feel safe and Feel understood, and, and so that's what I've been doing, and, and it's uh, definitely my passion. And I definitely feel like these kids are kind of my people. I, I can relate to them as being one of them as a kid, and and it just I mean, it never gets old. It, it's fun most days. I mean, there's some hard days but most days it's it's enjoyable. I don't get up and go, "Oh my gosh, I have to go to work." Every morning I get up and go, "All right, I get to go do this." This is kind of cool.
0: Every day it's different.
1: Oh, every day is a puzzle, yes, because the kids bring something new to the table every day and um it's a fun challenge though. If you if you look at it as is a challenge to figure out how to best help the kid, then it it becomes less work and more feeling good about being somebody who could help it help a young person out and so yeah it, it is challenging but um definitely rewarding
0: working with individuals who have experienced trauma or challenging life circumstances can be a difficult task and i really think that your work is just amazing thank you for what you've been doing
1: Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for for recognizing that. I I appreciate that.
0: Yes, of course. So, Joe, how do you approach building relationships with these students? And what strategies have you found to be effective in creating a safe and supportive environment for them?
1: I think the biggest thing is just to be be consistent and, um, you know, In my book, I talk about being a solid object. There's like 10 ways to be a solid object. And a lot of our kids don't have a lot of faith or trust in adults. And part of that's just because they're teenagers and teenagers in general kind of don't see adults as very trustworthy or, you know, reliable. Um, So being somebody who's there for them, somebody who's consistent for them and meeting them where they're at. If it's important to them, it should be important to you. We can't downplay their feelings because they're their feelings. We don't get to validate or invalidate those feelings at all. Um, our job, I think, well, for me, what I found building relationships is if, it, if it's something that they're very serious about, then I'm going to be very serious about it too and work with them to to figure out a solution or, or find some things that work. And then just being calm and patient. Um, I'm not a huge fan of anybody yelling at kids. I don't understand why adults want to yell at kids. Um, if you can't have a conversation, then just say, I think we're at a place where we can't have a conversation right now. It's okay to be honest. So I think but with kids, it's, it's, you know, listen, take them seriously. Cause it's serious to them. Um, and just be honest with them and follow through. You know, if you say you're going to do something, do it and, um, show up, show up every day. Cause a lot of our kids have adults that don't show up, um, and that aren't there. And so showing up and being consistent, and being supportive, um, and, and listen, it's never about you as the adult. Like, I don't come to work to fix me or to work on me. That's something I can do at home. I come to work to help kids. And so it's never about me. It's always about the kid. What do you need from me? How can I help you? Um, what can I offer to provide you with, you know, different services or, or things that you need? So it's, it's 100% about them. And I think when they know that that, you know, it's going to be all about them, and and there's some you know good boundaries in place so you don't get manipulated or taken advantage of um then it helps build that relationship they they really start to see you as that solid object as that adult that is there for them and that they can trust and come to
0: so if they trust you this aggressiveness disappears
1: yeah definitely their their behavior changes a lot when they know that um they can trust in the idea that you're there for them and they can trust that Um, you know, as adults, we have to regulate our emotions, which is hard, um, sometimes because kids can be difficult and they can say things that, um, that can kind of, you know, upset you. But when they learn that, that you are pretty well regulated and that you're never going to yell at them, you're never going to be, you know, angry, you you can understand that they're upset and later have a conversation and say, Hey, you know, some of the things you said were, you know, a little bit harsh, but I get that you were angry. I get that you were mad. Let's talk through it. We could do better next time. Um. So knowing that you're going to forgive them and that you're always going to treat them with an endless supply of respect and dignity, they, they feel okay. They feel welcome and they feel comfortable. And that is a big part of that trust piece.
0: So you published a book entitled Calming Young Minds in April, 2023.
1: Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop.
0: So could you please share some insights about this book and what inspired you to write it?
1: Well, I've been doing, um, I've been developing and doing trainings for schools and residential treatment centers um, for quite a while. And I started doing uh, speaking at conferences and some national conferences and some local conferences. And I would have people ask me, "Um, you know, where do you, where could I buy your book? Or do you have a book? And And I just never thought to myself like that I was a person that would write a book. Um, And so I I had a guy call and talk to me and he said, hey, you know, you should definitely write a book. And I told him, I don't know what I would write about. And he said, well, you had on one of your slides, you had like seven trainings that you do for schools. And I said, yeah. He said, pick like your top three, man, and put them in a book. And so that next Monday, I came to work, and I sort of looked at some of my trainings, and I thought, all right, if I set aside some time at home every night and some time in the morning before work, maybe I can get this done. And so I focused on uh, trauma-informed de-escalation, which is a big one that I do for schools. We go in and we talk about just really uh, middle school and teenage brain development and why they see the world the way they see the world, and then remind adults that that's how you saw it once too. Like you were once a middle schooler and a high schooler, and that's how you saw the world. So your adult expectations don't match the way that their lens sees the world. So you have to adapt the way that you approach these kids based on just brain development alone. And then we talked about trauma and how that affects kids. And then we talk about how to deal with kids in a therapeutic way, kids when they're in crisis or angry or lashing out, you know, what's the best ways to work with those kids. Um, And then I did a lot of work around just mental health and some common mental health, uh, diagnoses. I have a good friend of mine who's a therapist, another good friend of mine who's a psychiatrist. And I worked with them to kind of pinpoint down seven to 10 of the most commonly diagnosed mental health disorders that we see in schools. And then they would give me like the breakdown um, on sort of the therapy side. And then I would convert that into easy to understand, like teacher wording. I mean, I mean, as an educator, and I got, uh, you know, some degrees and a lot of background in mental health, but it's good to have those consultants to sort of help develop an idea and then break it down so people can understand it easier. And then we did restorative practices, which is a, a huge thing coming across uh, the U S right now. And I've been doing it since I started teaching in 99. Um, I didn't call it that back then. I just called it family practices. Cause I worked with my kids like we were a little family and i um, So I really, I went to a lot of trainings on it. And and I think what I run into a lot when I go to other trainings is that I I find, and this isn't all of them, but it's just a lot of the ones I've been to, they're done by a lot of people who haven't been in the classroom in years. Um, And they're developed based on like studies that are done by people that aren't in the classrooms. And I thought, well, I'm in the trenches every day. I'm currently an alternative education principal, and I'm in the classrooms daily, dealing with kids every single day. And so I wanted to make sure that the book had some anecdotals and some stories about how I grew up, but also about dealing with real kids in real time and making it so it was easy to read for educators and social workers and even therapists and, um, you know, caseworkers and people like that. They could read through it and say, wow, this makes sense. This sounds like some of the kids I work with. And uh and then it just kind of came together and it, it didn't take as long as I thought because like most of the writing was already completed in and trainings and, and a lot of research stuff that I'd done. Um, so it's just converting it to an easier readable, but not super long book um, that people could relate to and, and get through. And it's gotten pretty good feedback so far.
0: Yes. I saw and- Amazon. I was checking your book on Amazon. it has, Great reviews, and for what you shared, it's clear that your book provides practical and inspiring strategies that are based on your real world experience working with challenging youth and making it an essential resource for anyone who works with kids not only kids but also teenagers. So, as someone who has worked with both substance abuse and sexually exploited teams? Can you discuss the unique challenges faced by these populations and how to best support them?
1: Yeah, I think with in both cases, it's pretty rare not to find trauma. I mean, with sexual abuse and sexual exploitation, there's a high level of trauma. And that trauma affects these kids in such a huge way. I mean, just self-worth and and things like that. And, you know, and it leads to a lot of times that substance abuse. And then people who have substance abuse um, struggles, there's always a reason behind that. Um, you know, most people don't wake up at 17 and say, you know, gosh, by the time I'm 25, I want to be an alcoholic. Like, that's my goal. Um, that's never a goal. Nobody says I want to be addicted to methamphetamine or heroin. Um it just happens and there's a, a reason that they turn to that and it's a numbing effect or an escape effect. And it's it's a getting out of the reality because the reality that they live in is really difficult to deal with based on a lot of the trauma and the things that they've gone through and dealt with. And they haven't had a lot of people there to guide them through that. And so there's a lot of, of you know, background and a lot of um, what I call the issue behind the issue. So a lot of times, you know, uh, um, most emotions are driven by you know feelings and and feelings are driven by a need a need that's not being met and so finding out what needs not being met that drove to that feeling that drove to that that response is really the goal of things so i mean the when a kid is angry or a kid lashes out or or you know they go and they they use they binge or they you know turn to drugs and alcohol there's something behind that because those are unhealthy coping skills and people don't choose unhealthy coping skills on purpose. I think, you know, the majority of people, they want to be healthy and they want to be okay. And so I think teaching them what okay looks like for them, because it's different for everybody. Um, and just being willing to to dig deep into that and be there for them and understand that, you know, they see the world through a through a traumatic lens. Their uh, trauma affects the way that they respond to the whole world around them. And and trauma responses aren't a choice. That's just, you know, that's a lot to do with your nervous system and your brain's reaction to things. And understanding that, you know, when they're triggered and they respond a certain way, it's not because they chose to do that. That's just the best way that their body and their mind knew how to respond. And so being patient and working through that and teaching different responses and, you know, with with addiction, teaching some different coping skills, you know, um, There's other things to do than to drink or to do drugs. There's, you know, you have a variety of different activities you could choose from. And you have to learn how to do that because for years, you've taught your brain and your body that this is the best thing that works for me. This medication is the best medication for me. And I think it's a lot of patience and understanding that it doesn't happen overnight. Um, And people are going to, you know, fall back and people are going to revert back to what they know because. What we know is is the easiest way to do things. If that's the way we've been doing it, it's the easiest way to do because that's what our mind and our body understand. So when we are pushing a lot of change on people and they have to go through that change, that's hard because they have to retrain all their response mechanisms to respond a different way and to use different coping skills. And, and it takes a lot of energy and effort and and uh, just you know emotion. It, it takes a lot. And they've got to have somebody there for them to... Hold their hand and guide them and not, you know, not always just one somebody. They need a variety of somebodies to be there for them.
0: So what's the main message or takeaway you want your readers to to get from your book? I want
1: to remind them that you know kids are humans. They're they're little humans and they're not students, they're not clients, um, they're not somebody you work with, they're living, breathing human beings. And And every single one of them is somebody's somebody. That's somebody's daughter, somebody's son, somebody's brother, sister, grandchild. And, you know, we need to adjust the way that we as adults approach them and approach them with the idea that they see the world differently than we do, and it's okay. Um, A lot of times their lens is filled with far more wonder than ours. And so approaching them with that idea that you see the world different and that's okay, because I can meet you where you are, because I used to see the world that way too. And we, we we forget, you know, we become adults. We want everybody to think rationally and make rational decisions. And just developmentally, that's not even a thing for the for the kids, you know? So I think just taking the time to view them as a little human and understand that each one of them is individual um, and treat them with, with just an endless supply of respect and dignity. I, I think I struggle with the idea that people will say, well, that kid is disrespectful to me, so I'm disrespectful to them. Well, you're—they're going to be disrespectful to you. Your job is to just uh, provide an endless supply of respect. There's no reason for you to disrespect a kid. Um, so, I think just reframing how we see those things, and I—I I think hopefully the book kind of talks a lot about that, and and gets people to really reanalyze the way that they work with young people, and even the way that they see trauma and work with you know, addicts and people like that, it's, it's a disease, it should be treated as a disease. And so I think just adjusting some mindsets, I think would be the biggest, um, the biggest takeaway I'd want people to have.
0: And so I just want to tell you, your work is incredibly impactful. I see that your consulting company, Therapeutic Perspectives, offer training in schools. So how does your training support educators in, in implementing these practices effectively?
1: Yeah, so I do therapeutic uh, therapeutic perspectives is my um, consulting company that it's just me, you know, so far. And, yeah, I, I go into schools and, and I really like it if they'll give me a day um, to work with their teachers and to work with their staff Um I've, I've, I've done conferences for social workers as well. Um, I was invited to a police conference, but I, it conflicted with another conference I had, so I couldn't go. But it's, it's just coming in and going over the ideas of, this is what's going on with our kids. And these are some of the things that you can expect, um, ways for them to act and ways for them to process things. And here's some good ways, some good healthy ways for you to respond. And here's some ideas around once you've gone through something with the kid, here's some ideas on how to do something restorative, how to understand how to get them to learn from their behavior and build on a better understanding of uh, uh, their belonging to a larger community rather than being punitive and punishing kids. Um, so it's a, it's a lot of working with educators to, you know, kind of make that shift and the idea that I'm going to start working with the kids rather than just, you know, divvying out a bunch of punishments and and penalties because there's no learning in that. There's no learning that comes from that. And so working with teachers and taking the time, working with social workers and and anybody who works with kids really, and just guiding them through what that looks like and the steps they can take and some different strategies to implement things and, and timelines, you know, um, it doesn't happen overnight. You can't, go through one of these trainings and then go in the next day and start doing all these things. And, you know, all of a sudden, poof, all the kids are better. It t- you have to be consistent. You have to do these things over a period of time, which means that as an adult, you have to regulate yourself and you have to work on your responses. And that means that we as adults have to change. And change is really hard. Um, you know, I tell people if change was easy, I would be in great shape because I would change my diet and I would start exercising and I would do all the things I know I have to do, I know that I'm supposed to do. Um, But that's really hard. So I only do some of them, not all of them. And change is hard, you know, mentally as well. And so changing your approach takes time and it takes patience with yourself and with the kids. Um, And so a lot of the trainings I do are just going in and, you know, one is awareness at first, making people more aware. And then talking through, like, what do you deal with every day? Let's talk about how to deal with that. And here's some strategies and some things you can do and some things you can apply. And if you stick to them and if you do them, you'll see a change. And and I, I, I did a training for a, a pretty large district in Chicago, not too long ago. And the principal reached out to me about three weeks later and said, huge difference in our school. Thank you. Like a huge difference in our kids and our teachers. It's like people seem a little bit happier. And I said, well, that's the goal. Um, and I, I, you know i've gotten a lot of feedback like that from from different uh regions that i've worked in and schools that i've gone to and and so i think you know if you're willing to do the work because i think a lot of teachers are just they're tired and they don't know how to work with the kids and they don't know how to deal with it and and of course they blame the kids and you know, all the kids behavior is getting worse and and i could promise you that statistically it's probably not trauma's getting higher a higher level of trauma social has made a major impact on kids but their behavior isn't any you know, quote unquote crazier or worse than it was back when I was a kid. Um it's just that it was, you know, dealt with differently. Fear worked great back in, you know, the 70s, 80s, 90s. Fear doesn't work anymore. So you have to use a therapeutic approach because fear is not healthy. Fear feeds trauma. And if you're running your school based on fear and you've got traumatized kids, they're going to have trigger responses and it's never going to work. So you have to change your approach. And that's really the goal of, uh, you know, therapeutic perspectives and the trainings that we do. And and a lot of it's based on the book. Um, but I have, you know, I just did a, a boundaries training, professional boundaries training yesterday with a large group of people, just teaching them about what are professional and therapeutic boundaries when working with young people. So there's a lot more trainings to that when it comes to therapeutic perspectives, but, uh, the book is is just kind of three of them rolled into uh, one long narrative.
0: Wonderful. And so where can our listeners find this precious book? And of course, you online.
1: Well, I have a website, therapeuticperspectives.com, um, and they can go to my Facebook. My Facebook is Calming Young Minds. Um, my book's available on Amazon. If you just type in Calming Young Minds, um, it'll pop right up. I uh, just reduced the price for the summer so that teachers could read it over the summer um, and get it a little bit cheaper. Um, you know, I've got a Twitter handle. I think it's the book calming young minds. I've got an Instagram. That's the book calming young minds. Um, and all of those will take you to the webpage that for my um, consulting company as well. And, you know, so I would, I would say, look around there. Um, definitely. If you want to buy the book, it's on Amazon. Uh, I, I, encourage people to get it read it and then give me reviews um you know five stars uh if you want to give me a one-star review you can just call me and yell at me that you didn't think it was very good and then i'll i'll take that
0: (laughs) so so your work has the potential to contribute significantly to a better society thank you for sharing your insights with us